Here we go. Yes. I am Alan Winston. And I am Rebecca McCain. And today, Barcourt Radio is recording on the street at West End Avenue and 92nd Street. In fact, I'm wearing a mask, so it sounds a little muffled. But we're trying to be uh, socially distanced Honey, you here. always sound that way. Oh, okay. <laughs> we will be celebrating the resiliency of our Upper West Side neighbors as we face down a most deadly pandemic. This is the third part of Bar Crow Radio's 100th episode celebration. We began by looking back on what Bar Crow Radio has accomplished over the past two years. Then we talked with Borough Manhattan President Gail Brewer. In part two, we had a lively conversation with Rafael Espinal, former city council member and now executive director of the Freelancers Union. In part three of Barcora Radio's 100th show, Rebecca and I talked with two young women running for city council in 2021. It is the custom of Barcora Radio to have conversations at our neighborhood bars, but we are in the middle of the worst pandemic in modern era, and we are recording outside on the street, practicing social distancing and talking with each other, and each of these city leaders one at a time. So with that caveat, it is the BCR custom to start the party with, here we go. Those were the 7 p.m. sounds on the Upper West Side when every evening our neighbors thank the work of the essential workers in our community. This is Bar Crow Radio. It's our 100th episode. And with us now is Joanna Garcia, who is running, the, who is running for the New York City Council District 10. I got that right. Washington Heights, Inwood, Marble Hill in Manhattan. She is the daughter of immigrants and mother of three children. As president of the school district's President's Council, and as president of the Community Education Council, Ms. Garcia opposed extreme testing and the sale of student information to private parties and highlighted the crisis of lead in New York City public schools. Her political website argues that she is, quote, a strong voice for tenants and small business and an advocate for affordable housing. Presently, Ms. Garcia is Senator Robert Jackson's chief of staff and was his chief of staff when he was a council member. And we welcome you to Bar Crawl Radio here on West End Avenue. Yes, welcome, Joanna. It is great to be here. And by the way, congratulations on your 100th Thank episode. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's right. That's yeah, right. We, it's, this has been a wild ride for us. We've been all over, mostly here. But we've been, as we said, in seven countries, awesome. like 22, 23 bars, over 130 people we talked to. So it's really opened up the world to us. That must make for beautiful pictures. Yeah, we've got. We'll check out the website. I will. Right. BarProRadio.com. So you're running for the New York City Council for District 10, which is happening in November of 2021. Oh, June 2021. Oh, June For the primary. Oh, for the primary, okay. yes. Okay. Right. Okay. And then when you win that, then... It's pretty much a done deal. So that's yeah. almost a year away. <laughs> it is. So, so uh, much is happening now and will happen over the next year and a half. What is your personal reason for running for this position? Well, it's definitely a, uh, a seat that's opened up. Uh, it's, uh, it, we have term limits. And in 2021, everyone's going to look at all these new candidates for every level in municipal um, government. And it's an opportunity to elect new leadership uh, in our city on all levels. And because I understand how the city council works, 
uh, and of course uh, state government and I'm very, very much close to my community. I think it's an opportunity for me to lend my voice uh, and bring issues to the table, not just as a single mother, but uh, as a, a daughter of immigrant and a longtime Washington Heights resident. Right. That's great. Uh, besi besides the uh, recent city budget, and we want to get to your take on the city budget, mm -hmm. um, what are the two biggest issues that you're running on? As my bio implies, I am a very big uh, education advocate, uh, especially for public education. Uh, our schools have been grossly underfunded for too long and actually lends itself to being uh, at the heart of the many ills uh, that we fight. Uh, there's also uh, racial inequities in the policies that are applied in our school systems. When you look at overcrowded classrooms in our schools, uh, not enough art classes or science classes for our students, uh, as well as therapeutic services for our children. Uh, we in our district have a high number of students who are English language learners, students who are uh, have special needs. Also, uh, C, S-I-E, which uh, stands for students with interrupted education, and we're not doing enough to serve those children. Right. We just had a conversation with um, Lainey Hampson of yes. Class Size Matters. She's a good friend. She, oh, oh, great, wow. great. Uh, so is that part of your um, project if yes. you get elected? Yes. So let me just uh, say, just because it's opportune, that I've been endorsed by Kids Pack, uh, which is Lainey Hampson's, uh, she's part of that group. And Laney, with Laney, uh, I was one of the lead plaintiffs uh, in regards to uh, small class sizes against the state. Uh, and also uh, in working with Laney Hansen, I was the principal um, filer to, uh, against the U.S. Department of Education uh, for the sharing of information uh, with third parties, which leads to charters creaming uh, the best students from our public schools. And because of that, and because of that fight and that complaint, uh, which took about two years, the Department of Education decided to let parents uh, opt out of having their children's information shared. Right. I mean, since we're talking about Lainey Hampson and, and some of the stuff that she did, we also talked about the pineapple question mm -hmm. and the, the oh testing. Gosh. Yes. Uh, I guess you're familiar <laughs> with that. Uh, I, I am. My, well, what is your take on, on uh, standardized testing in our schools? Uh, so my children opt out uh, of standardized testing. I don't think that our students are standardized. I don't think that testing, uh, as it's used uh, to pressure teachers to teach to a test, and as it's used to really measure wealth, uh, measures at all the talents and the passion and the interests of our students and what our students have to contribute uh, to society. Uh, so I do think that our public education would be much better without standardized testing and more assessments uh, based on portfolios uh, and more uh, looking at how teachers are supporting our students other than teaching to a test. Yeah, 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 we're both teachers and we do that. So what's the take on, you, on oh. your, um, uh, on the recent New York City budget? Uh, um, so I think there's a lot that happened in that budget, but what got a lot of notoriety, uh, a lot of attention was the funding of NYPD. Uh, and I think that the city budget illustrated what we continue to do wrong um, when it comes to um, our budget process. Our budget is a reflection of our priorities. And what this communicated is that we prioritize policing our children and our communities versus 
real sound uh, uh, investments in our community, like social workers and counselors um, and violence interrupters and really strong affordable housing policies, really interrupting the poverty cycle that leads to a lot of what we see. I don't feel that uh, funding police really addresses the ills of what makes a student, for example, bring a knife. I always said, if a student brings a knife to a public school, you have to look at what is it that made that student feel unsafe? What's missing in that school community that hasn't been addressed? Whether that kid is food insecure, whether there's housing instability, whether there's some kind of dysfunction that needs a little bit of support um, from the school community for that family. We have someone at the Kvetch Mike uh, who has a question. Uh, for Joanna Garcia, who is running for the District 10 City Council seat uh, for coming up in 2021. Alina. Joanna, thank you so much. Um, we met uh, when we were campaigning for Robert Jackson, and it really made me realize um, what insight you have into the process of Albany. Um, I'm just wondering, um, you know, when you become City Council person, what can we do to change the corruption and power uh, imbalance um, next year? Great question. Thank you, Alina, and, and it's good to hear from you again. Uh, one of the things that we have to look at is that right now we have a culture, not just in Albany, but also in the city council of how things have always occurred, this status quo. And then you have advocates and you have residents that rally around pushing for change, but they keep meeting up this wall of status quo. This is how we've always done it. There is a pivotal moment that we have right now. Our city council will be completely new. The majority of the electeds in those city council seats will be new. And it is an opportunity to change the way we do business. Do not say that every land use or rezoning should be just as a right uh, uh, approved. To really look at the process of even how we, how we elect our speaker. Many individuals don't understand the power of the speaker. The speaker is the second most powerful person in uh, New York City, and they that person is elected by the peers. And you usually have labor uh, engaging in those conversations. You have what we call the county leaders engaging in those conversations. But we don't have the people engaging in those conversations. And that's an opportunity to really change the culture in city council. Awesome. So you're saying the speaker should be elected pop by the popular vote? I am not saying that exactly because that would be intricate and, and I'm not even discounting that. But I definitely think that there should be a process by which those that were elected, for example, I would be elected for uh, City Councilmanic District 10. My constituents should have a say as to how my vote is going to go uh, towards the speaker, there at the go. very least. There you go. How do you think uh, de Blasio handled the recent Black Lives Matter protests? Horribly, incompetently. Uh, and I, I think there was a, there is, not was, there is a huge disconnect uh, there is an opportunity here for healing. There's not, it's not even an opportunity. There is a, a crisis, and we need real healing. And this silence and this delaying in response and this kind of like head in the sand uh, is just really making things worse. We need leadership. We need compassionate, sound leadership, and that's not happening. And because of that absence, you have a lot of hate rhetoric 
filling the room and just making things worse. There is a way for all of us to come together because at the end of the day, I truly believe that everyone wants everyone to be safe. It's just a matter of what that looks like to everyone and what that looks like in action. Uh, we have another candidate yes. that's running for city council. I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so thank you very much, Joanna Garcia. Uh, it's going to be a long campaign. It is. And we, we, we would like to invite you back to the Barco Radio mic, uh, see how things are developing. I would love that. Because we have other questions for you. So we want to thank you, Joanna Garcia, for joining us, letting us know about, about who you are. Good luck with the upcoming election. And again, maybe we can, we can, we can do this again. We we'll love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank and you again, very much. congratulations. Thank you. So you're running for Helen's seat? Yeah, she's term limited. So, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I hear you live in this building? We do. I used to live in this building when my kids were little. Oh, so. wow. This is Sarah Lind, who former resident of the of the Windermere Hotel. That's right. Uh, where we are recording right in front of the Windermere Hotel on West End Avenue. We weren't sure if you were going to join us, and so I didn't prepare an introduction for you. That's, so we'll Sarah, put it into the podcast. Sarah Lynn is running for District 6. That's being vacated, not vacated, but term limited out by Helen Rosenthal. Yep. Unfortunately, she wasn't here. So we can ask you the questions we're going to ask her. Sure. There you go. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're running for uh, District 6 City Council. Yeah, you know, I just, I had this memory that when I was living in this building and my kids were very little, I was going to cross this street right here, and I had my son as a baby in the stroller, and my daughter, a toddler, on her little um, scooter, and a taxi trying to make the left. As soon as the light turned green, it whipped around, you know, before the other cars could come. And it came this close to hitting my daughter. And it really I've had a similar experience yeah. on this street, riding a bike, yep. and being cut off by a cab, making a turn onto West End Avenue. Totally, yep. and it got me really interested in uh, street design and urban design and ways that we can make the street safer for all users. Um, and so I joined the community board, um, and I just got more and more interested in politics and the issues in the city. Uh, and I spent a couple years working to elect women to all offices, um, but especially to city council, I just stepped down from running an organization called 21 and 21, which works to elect at least 21 women to the city council in 2021. Right now there's only 12 and seven of those are term limited. Um, so after spending a lot of time encouraging women to run and feeling passionate about issues myself, I decided it was time I stepped up. Well, I have a question to ask you then about this, um, just in terms of what you were talking about with the um, with the, the drivers, yeah. what do you think of this right here? This blocked off street. Oh, I love this. Ones. Isn't this great? I love it. I think it's I think it's amazing, and I think it's um, a really good example of you know how we can make things work for everybody. You know, obviously we have drivers and we need roads that cars can go on, but most New Yorkers are pedestrians. You know, we walk around. Um, and I would love to just make the city more friendly to pedestrians. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so sure about <laughs> the need for cars in the city. At all. Um, um, <laughs> just delivering things. Yeah, all. I mean, yeah. that you read that editorial that Manju wrote in the yeah, New York Times. wonderful. And he's going about a car free. Totally. You know, I mean, imagine this, this avenue with grass. grass. I know. Wouldn't that be amazing? No cars, just people walking. It's also, you know, I just was on a um, call with climate scientists this morning talking about the climate crisis, which has 
taken a bit of a backseat with COVID, understandably, but it still is an impending crisis. Yes. Um, and we were talking about how it's going to impact New York. And obviously flooding is going to be the primary thing. I learned that New York sea levels are rising two times faster Whoa. than the global average. I didn't realize, yeah. Wow. But the next uh, biggest problem for New York is the heat, the extreme heat, you know, uh, and a great way to combat that because a lot of the, that is because of all the concrete we have and all the metal in the buildings. So the more we can get greenery and green our streets and our neighborhoods, the better it'll be. There it's, you go. It's interesting you say that because Rafael Espinal is supposed yeah. to be with us. <laughs> and he was, when he was city council member, put up the green roofs. I know. Yeah, he's, he's great. He did a he, lot of really good things on the council. He did a lot of good things. Yeah. And hopefully you'll have a question for him maybe yeah. when, he, when, when, when he comes. You should be here soon. So what is your platform? What are you um, yeah, going to be um, talking about? You know, I think, so I, I have, like I mentioned, two little kids. And I think that there are a lot of families with kids in the district. So education is definitely a top concern of mine. Our small businesses, which obviously are suffering right now under the pandemic, but they were already struggling. Um, so things that we can do to try to make it easier to open and maintain a small business in New York City. Uh, Scott Stringer recently, well, I guess it was almost a year ago now, but put out a report about ways that we can make it easier for our small businesses. So I support um, those kinds of ideas. Uh, transportation, so things like, of course, supporting mass transit, but also making it easier for people to bike around the city, other modes of transportation, and just making it less necessary to have a car and to use a car in the city. Are you a biker? So bike? I am not a biker. Um, and part of the reason is because I don't feel safe. And I don't feel like I can, I could necessarily get to where I need to go safely. And I think that's one of the issues in the city is that we don't have that safe network. Um, and I think if we did, I would probably bike and more people would bike. Yeah. Um, I will say my husband just bought one of those electric scooters, not a, not a rebel type scooter, but like a push scooter, but it's electric. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty nice. I've been using that. It can move very fast. Yeah, I don't go very fast on it because it scares me a little bit. But um, it's nice to be able to not have to, to move yourself, you know. <laughs> so I like that. And not get any exercise. <laughs> right, that's true. Um, but And then uh, lastly, I would say just gen like the, the climate crisis generally and just making that a focus. Um, my daughter once told me that she, she's scared about climate change. You know, that's one of the things that really scares her. Uh, and I think that a lot of kids feel that way because it's their future. Um, and it's unfortunately, it's our future, too. It's coming, I think, faster yes. than people think. But, <laughs> but it is something that we're leaving to our children and yeah. our grandchildren. How old is your daughter? She's nine. Nine, yeah. yeah. We're also kind of leaving that focus behind as the pandemic and the um, inability of our federal government to handle it yeah. has really pushed it aside. But it is as big or maybe more important than yeah. COVID-19. COVID-19 will eventually go away. Right, I mean, it will. Can, yeah, I mean, it, well, and climate I, change is here. It's here. Yeah, I yeah. think that I do think that COVID has made us realize that uh, the potential for other pandemics and other health issues are is real. And we should be preparing for that. And, and Trump not to get national, but Trump, you know, totally dismantled our pandemic preparedness. And that's just crazy. Um, and I, I hope also, just on a local level, that there might be some changes. I was thinking back to the way we used to just jam into the train together, people coughing and sneezing on each other. And I kind of hope that the mask, even if it's only for when you are sick, but that it'll go, it'll be a, a new kind of habit. Like if you're sick and you have to take the train, wear a mask. It's respectful to other Wouldn't people. Wouldn't that be nice if yeah. we actually took care of each other? <laughs> exactly. Wouldn't that be I a think, sweet lesson? I think it's going to be with us for a while. Yeah. I do. Yeah. And yeah. I also think it, it highlights just the need for health care in this country um, and, and all the different ways that, uh, you know, the inequities in our country and, and that we need to address them. 
Uh, the, the, the other big question is uh, what's going on with Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Do you have a take on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it kind of goes back to what I was just saying. I think that obviously anytime there's a police killing, there's outrage. Um, but I do think that the it was highlighted this time because of the fact that so many black and brown people were more affected by COVID, that they so many people were out of work and they're already feeling like they're you know, not being taken care of by our system and our society. Um, and I think it really just fed that rage. Uh, again, my daughter, she's a, she's a budding activist, but, you know, she just, she can't believe that she hates Trump and she just can't believe that this is even something. How old is your daughter? She's nine. nine. She nine. just said that. All right. I mean, her, her best friend is black and, and she just, she can't understand how this is even something that we have to be addressing in this country but I explained to her why, and she, she gets it, but... Um, I don't get it. You have to explain <laughs> it to me. It's a history, whole history yeah, lesson. Yeah, so um, I, I do think that there are things that we need to address. I've served as the um, as a liaison to the 20th Precinct, so I, I like the police. I know a lot of them. I think they're great people, um, and I think they, they do a lot of good, good work. Um, but AOC has a quote where she talks about uh, we know what good policing looks like because it's the way that policing works in white and wealthy neighborhoods. And it's very different. So the way that policing works here on the Upper West Side is very friendly. It's very, you know, they take care of us. They're your friendly neighborhood officer. That's not the way it works in some places in the Bronx, for example, or other primarily black and brown neighborhoods. Um, and so I think we just have to realize that and, and work to make all policing look more like it looks here, for example. Yeah, good point. Sarah Lynn, thank you so much for yeah. joining us on Bar Crawl Radio here out on West End Avenue and 92nd windy. Street. <laughs> and the wind is kind of blowing, but we're here. And it's It's not blowing wonderful. us away. And thank it's, it's you. wonderful, Bobby. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. On your race. I know you've got the primary in June, right? That's right. Yep. And then uh, once you win that, then on to the November election in 2021. The Upper West Side, 80% uh, Democratic. So. Okay. I'm, not, okay. I'm not sure I would want a job like that. It sounds really, really difficult. Yeah. Uh, yes. But th thank you for taking this on. And good luck. Thank you. Thank you and so we'll much watch, for And we'll, we'll keep an eye on you. Yeah, definitely do. Thank, thank you. you. This is Barco Radio. And we're on West End Avenue. It's our 100th episode. Yay!